0: song that we sung as part of the scripture we'll be reading today and what's exciting I think about the song is when David gets through writing Psalm 19 that's about all he could do. I mean he was so filled with the revelation of God. His heart was so full of understanding that this was God who showed himself to man that broke into man's world. That's about all that David could do. That's all he could respond. And you know, when we have uh, an awareness of God, when we have that presence of God, sometimes about all you can do is praise, you know. Uh, You don't even have to sing good, but you've got to respond. Well, I'm glad that you're here today. I want you to take your Bible, and I hope you have it with you. I want you to go with me to Psalm 19. Let's go back there. We started last week. And I want to finish this wonderful psalm. Someone asked me, I thought Mark was preaching, and I said, I bumped them, And they said, we're leaving. And I said, well, take him with you, okay? Amen. Psalm 19, let me kind of, in a moment, i got a lot of things I am going to share with you this morning before we read, but I, I think you'll be able to track with me, okay? I, um, I said to the first service, and I believe this to be true, that Psalm 19 is the most doctrinal psalm. In all of the Bible, I believe it's the most doctrinal song that any of the inspired writers wrote in the Word of God. It's a psalm that addresses God's decision, that's key, God's decision to allow Himself in part measure to be known to mankind. In this psalm, God self discloses Himself to us so that we might gain some measure of understanding of God and thereby making us accountable or responsible to God. I I mentioned to you last week that our religion, this Christian religion, is a self-disclosure or a self-revealed religion And I mean by that is this, that what we may know of God, what we may come to understand of God, is all based upon God and His decision to disclose Himself to us. And I said to you last week, therefore, because of that, every person who has ever lived, and every person who will ever live, Whether that person lives in Arkansas or whether that person lives in Africa is responsible for what they have done with what David says is the knowledge of God that has been revealed in the heavens. David says, if you'll look at verse 1 for a moment, David says this, the heavens are telling the glory of God. I said, the heavens are are screaming the glory of God. And their expanse declares the work of His hands by what He has created. Everybody has some knowledge of God that they're responsible for. And one day, when we stand before God, when the Bible says, Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess, that Jesus is God to the glory of God, at that moment, they'll be responsible. You're going to be responsible for your knowledge of God and what you have done with your knowledge of God. Now, when we come to verse 7, here's what we see happening. David shifts from general revelation to what is called specific revelation from common grace to what sometimes is referred to special grace. He moves from the sky to the scriptures. He moves from the world to the word of God. And this shift has eternal ramifications for those who are the chosen of God. Last week I mentioned to you that that one of the joys that I have I like to hunt I like to bow hunt, and did I tell you I was a great bow hunter last week i didn't that did i I would have lied I guess, but I told you last week one of the the joys that I have is to get on a deer stand before daylight and i I love watching the sun come out of its tent. I love watching. God begin to to break into into light and and push the darkness away. I I get excited. It, It makes me think about God. It's staggering to me. It's overwhelming to me. But you listen to me for a moment. As exciting as that is, as overwhelming as that is to me, as staggering as that grace of God is to me, it does nothing for me redemptively. It does nothing for me eternally. Oh yes, it gives me the knowledge of God. But beloved, there has to be more of God so that I might live in a relationship with God. There has to be another witness. There has to be another revelation of God to impact me and impact you in saving ways. And that's what David does when he shifts to verse 2. Seven. Now listen, I can get on a deer stand and as light begins to push away the dark I look up I see God, I shout glory to God in the highest but that's all I can do because there has to be more that will show me the attributes of God Let me tell you a story I had a really good friend in my first church when Paul and I lived in in West Memphis, there was a guy that coached in Marion and he was became a really, really good friend of mine. He was a good coach, a good guy, but he never came to church. His wife came to church, his daughter came to church his daughter and my son were really really good friends, but he he never came to church and I, but we got to be friends and i 'd go by and visit with him and talk with him and and we just were real comfortable around each other we 'd play a little golf together and and I would sit down with him from time to time. And I'd call his name out and say, you know, man, what, man, we'd love to have you at church. We'd love for you to come to church. And he would always say, you know, preacher, I work hard all week. And he did. I mean, I respected that. The guy put in all you teachers and you coaches, especially during football season, you guys put in a lot of hours, you know, and I respected that for him. from him. And he said, you know, I, I, I stay busy all week. Sunday is the only day that I have. And he said, I've got this deal. I think I'm really loud. I got this, this deal worked out with the man upstairs. By the way, if anybody ever says man upstairs, you know he's in trouble, right? He's not the man upstairs. He's Almighty God. And he said, I've got this thing worked out where I go out on the lake on Sunday, or I'll go play golf on Sunday, or I'll go do other things on Sunday, and we have this agreement. And I wasn't sure how to deal with that. But one time I sat down with him, and I said, Listen, you and I are friends. And I want you to know that I really care where you're going to spend eternity. And you've told me you've got this agreement with God that on Sunday, instead of going to church, you're going out into the world, and it's okay. And here's what I said. Oh, my friend, you'll never come to know God personally. You'll never come to understand God in a redemptive way, in a a saving way. Out on a lake or on a golf course. It takes more. You see, dear church, the revelation of God in creation is limited. When it comes to manifesting the attributes of God, there has to be more. And David knows that. And so in verse 7, he begins to shift a little bit. From verses 7 through 11, he begins talking not about common grace that's available to all and the knowledge of God that's available to all, he begins talking about that special grace that saves man's soul. He even changes the name of God. Look at verse 1. The heavens are telling the glory of God. That, that word God that's used there is a short and firm form of Elohim, which is the word El. It's a, it's a singular for God creator, it's the name of God in Genesis chapter 1. And the Bible says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. If you look at verse 7, he changes from God to, notice the law of the Lord. In fact, in every description, he uses the word Lord. That's the name of God. That's in Exodus chapter 3. That's where God encountered Moses, and Moses encountered God at the burning bush. That is where God gave his covenant name, the word Jehovah, or Old Testament, Yahweh. That's the name where God enters a covenant with man, and that's the only basis by which man will be saved. Now listen to me for a moment. Only those who know God as Jehovah can be said to have an eternal relationship with God. And a man can never get that on a deer stand. A man can never get that on a lake. A man can never get that on a golf course. A man, a family, can never get that on a ball field. In a sense, those two revelations of God are are kind of like a a summer evening when you go out and it's getting dark and you see flashes of lightning all around the horizon. And then every once in a while, you'll see a bolt of lightning that zaps down and hits a tree. Common grace is that which can be known by all people. It's It's that little lightning flashes all around the horizon. But when God gets ready to save a soul, That flash of lightning reaches down and flashes into the heart. And it is only through God's special revelation. It is only through the word of God that this takes place. One more thing, and then we'll read the scriptures. Why is it important to go to church? Why is it important to hear preachers and teachers share Bible lessons? Why is it important, dear people, to be careful when you decide to skip church, even if you use it for a good reason and call it family time? Is it because us preachers are wanting to build our numbers that we want our chairs Full? No. Well, yeah, some. Every coach wants the stadium filled, okay? I'll be honest with you. But now listen, it's more than that. And you need to understand because that's what this psalm is all about. The reason we keep after you to come to church and the reason we keep after you and challenge you to come to Sunday school and to be in small groups when the Word of God is preached and the Word of God is taught is because we know that only the special revelation of God, only the Word of God can save a soul. And you see, when you're out, and nothing wrong with being out. I hear my heart. I've shared with you, those of you that know me, that I wish as we were raising our kids, I would have spent a little more time on the lake, probably not on Sunday, but on the lake some. And so I understand the pressures you're under. But what you need to understand is that the Word of God and only the Word of God and the special revelation of God and only the special grace of God presents the potential for God to work. When the Word of God is preached and when the Word of God is taught, there's a dynamic. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. The Bible says the Word of God breathes life. And the reason we stay on you is because we know that the potential, only that potential exists for God to do something eternally when God's Word is preached and taught. And you can't get that anywhere else. And so I just want to say to you, young parents, when you're trying to decide how to spend your weekends, knowing that you work hard and knowing that you don't have enough time in your life to do everything you want to do, just be real careful because it could be by you spending time away from church you may miss an opportunity for God's special revelation. To eternally change one of your children's life, you might miss a spiritual moment. Now, do you understand that? Kind of give me. I'm not. I, don't you leave here and say, Tom said you should never go to the lake. I didn't say that. Tom said we should never go hunting on Sunday. I may say that. What I'm saying is this Daddy's. Mothers, be careful. Think it through. Because as much as you might want to point to the stars and point to the mountains on the beautiful creation of God, there's nothing eternally, there's nothing redemptively that that'll do for you. It takes the special revelation. Amen? Good. Let's stand. Let's read this wonderful song, and then I'm going to walk through it pretty quickly, okay? Let's start at verse 1 and... Remember, the first six verses are creation. Second section deals with God's Word. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, night to night reveals knowledge. That's why everyone. From Arkansas to Africa, that's why everybody that's in this room today will ultimately be responsible for what you have done with what you know about God. He gives you the young people. God gives you enough knowledge of Him that you should seek after Him. Okay, verse three: There is no speech, nor are there words; their voice is not heard; their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed, and I love this, a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. There is nothing hidden From its heat. Now he shifts. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, have you noticed, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, of Jehovah, of covenant. The judgments of the covenant, God, are true. They are righteous altogether. Now notice verse 10. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. You see the value here of the word of God? It warns you from that which is wrong, and it rewards you from that which is right. Then he says, who can discern his errors? Here's his prayer. Acquit me from hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, and then I'm going to be blameless. And on that great day, I'll be acquitted of great transgressions. And then he ends with the song we just sung. And that's all you can when you understand the great God of creation, the God of the sky, is also the God of the Scriptures that saves the soul. All you can say is, Oh, dear God. Jehovah, let the words of my mouth Let even that which is inside of me, those meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. God, today as we gather, as we explore your special grace, that which converts the soul, that which forgives sin that which births new life. May we somehow get our head around this special grace that shows us a little bit more in detail who you are and what you do for sinners. Oh, dear God, help, help, help these dear people to see that when special grace is given. It's a cause not just for celebration, but it's a cause for conviction, and it's a cause for conversion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. I want you to be sure to keep your Bible open, beginning in verse 7. Let me tell you what we have here, okay? When David draws it together for a, a specific grace emphasis of the Word of God, he gives us six descriptions that's called nouns, if you're an English person. And he gives us six adjectives which describes the noun. And then he gives us six phrases, participial phrases that modifies and I had to look this up no, not true. I had to call Janet Watson to get her to help me with the grammar of this. We have six descriptions. Modified by a little word that gives a result. Let me walk you through them real quickly. Okay, keep your Bibles open, your eyes down. Okay. First of all, he says the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. What does it do? Restores the soul. The word law here is the word for Torah. It's the Old Testament word for the Old Testament scriptures. It means instruction, it means without error, and it means only this can give new life. By the way, the word Torah is from a root word in Hebrew which means to shoot an arrow. And so what David is saying, this special word of God, this special revelation, these scriptures of old are like an arrow that shoots and hits everywhere it's aimed every time. It accomplishes what it's intended here he says, "The saving of the soul." Dads, you want your little boys to be saved. Mamas, you want your little girls to be saved. Then you take the Bible. You take John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You take Romans three twenty three. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You take Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is death but the grace of God gives eternal life. You see, it's the word of God, David said. It's the Torah. It's that arrow that shoots into the soul of people with the results that they come to know Christ that they become saved. Number two, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Giving wisdom. What David is saying to us, the summary of the law, the Ten Commandments, are trustworthy. And it gives reality to life. You want to know what is right in this world? Look at the Ten Commandments. You want to know what is wrong in this world? You want to know what's wrong with our culture today? You want to know what's wrong in our world today? Why don't you study? Why don't you read the Ten Commandments? Because the testimony of the Lord is always sure, giving wisdom. Number three, the precepts of the Lord are right Rejoicing the heart. The word precepts is a word which means detailed instructions. Line by line, dot by dot instructions on how we are to live right. And David says when you get these detailed instructions, it makes your life straight, not crooked. And it brings joy to your life. You see, living the word of God in obedience brings joy. Not bondage. Isn't that amazing? The lost of this world scoff at the Word of God. They scoff at Christianity. They say that when you become a Christian, you lose your joy, you lose your freedom, you lose life. But the Bible says when you come to know Christ, that's the greatest liberty and freedom there is known to man. It's the precepts, those instructions turn you loose. And allow you to enjoy life that you can't even imagine. That's what David's saying. Number four, the commandments of the Lord are pure, bringing discernment. The word pure is a word which means radiance. The commandments of, you know what the command, that's what moms and dads tell their kids every day. That's commandments, right? What are they? They're illuminating. They give light so that you can see and not stumble along. God's word is a lamp unto my, and a, so that, so when not sin, okay? Isn't that right? That's what he's saying. Oh, the radiance of God's word illuminates the path so that we can have discernment. So that we can say no to that which we should say no to. And yes. To that which we could say yes to. Number five. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. That word fear means reverence and awe. And he's saying to us. That reverence and awe of God will never decay. Has no rottenness. And will never corrupt the individual. Everything else in this world has a corrupting element to it. God's word will never corrupt you. That's why you have to be exposed to it. By the way, can I chase a rabbit? Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, would you listen to me for just a moment? Small group Sunday school is not the time to talk about ball games it's not the time to talk about the Razorbacks it's not the time to talk about situations in life Sunday school small group that hour that God gives is given so that we might take the Bible the instructions from the Bible the scriptures from the Word of God and. Plow them into the life of somebody else. We are working on some things after the first of the year. And I'll just tell you up straight. And so if you get mad and you blame Don, it's my fault. Okay? Of course, he'll get fired first, you know. (laughs) If I'm going down, he's going with me. Let me just tell you what we're working on. We're working on Sunday school classes. That when they come on Sunday, they're going to get the Word of God. We're going to have curriculum that's going to tell our Sunday school teachers there is a systematic way to teach the. But leading up to Easter, and we're going to tell. We're not asking our Sunday school teachers. We're going to in love in Jesus' name. Tell our, say Amen. Tell our Sunday school teachers, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. And if you can't, we love you, but you won't be able to teach. Because, gang, the only thing that will convert the soul, the only thing that will change a life is God's Word, God's special revelation. You with me on that? Why would we come for an hour and talk about football? Why would we come for an hour and, and discuss basket weaving when we know it's the Word of God and only the Word of God? They can take a little boy or take a little girl, take a young man or take a young woman, or take an old man and take an old woman and usher them in to the kingdom of God, you see. Well, Where was I? Last one. The judgments of the Lord are true. There's al- they're always right. Now listen, what that's saying is that God's decisions are always truthful. And God's decisions always give warnings against sin and the ultimate effects of sin. Now let me me bring it all together. Taken as a whole, these six descriptions are God's special revelation to man that saves man, that seals man, and secures man for all of eternity. This is His special grace that brings a man into a right relationship with God. So that man might have sweet fellowship with God in this life and in the life which is to come. Now just look with me in these closing verses. David says, when you understand this, when this gets inside your heart, this value of special revelation is more valuable than not just gold, not just fine gold, but much fine gold. We give most of our energies and most of our anxiety toward trying to eke out things in this life, buy things in this life. David said there's something far more valuable than much fine gold, and it is the Word of God. It's sweeter than the very best honey that drips down off the honeycomb. David said, there's something you're going to want more than the riches and the pleasures this world will ever offer you. And you, most of you know that because you've tried it the other way. Kevin, Benson, you tried it. You went. Did it work for you? It didn't work, did it, brother? If it wasn't for John 3, 16 ministry and God's word in your heart, you'd still be trying it and bumping your head and, Bleeding your nose and stubbing your toes. Only, oh people, you get it? Only this works. When you understand it, you're going to want it more than the the possessions of the world. You're going to want it more than the pleasures that the world has to offer. David goes on to say it's a special revelation that will warn you when you do wrong, and reward you when you do right. He tells us it has the power to convict us of sin, to cleanse us from sin. It will challenge your life. It will cheer you on in life. It will change your life. It will convert your life. And, oh, dear people, you just can't get it from anything else, not even a beautiful early morning creation that screams the glory of God. It'll give you learning. It'll give you laughter. It'll tell you God's truth and it'll help you understand Satan's lie. Look at verse 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. And then I'll be blameless, not faultless, but blameless. I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Dear people, if there's one thing we like to do, it's that we like to sin. There's something in us, there's a propensity in us that likes to sin. Now, we know that ultimately sin is going to last for just a season. We know that ultimately there's going to be a destruction and there's going to be a lot of pain. But there's something about sin that we like, and yet... David tells us that this word of God will change us. It will cleanse us. It will even forgive us of the sins of ignorance or the sins of presumptuousness. The word of God radically cleanses the life of a sinner. And that's why he closes in verse 14. My words, my meditation, that which comes out of my mouth, that which is in my heart. Oh, may they be acceptable. To you, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Let me ask you today, gang. Can you say, my Lord? Not God, not Elohim. Man, we walk out of these doors, we're gonna see Elohim. What about Jehovah God? Are you in that covenant relationship with him? Are you? Is he your rock? Is he your redeemer today? Maybe today's the day when you take your stand for Him. Maybe today is the day you realize that only through Him and His Word will convert your soul. Well, let me, let me summarize the Psalm, the complete Psalm, okay? Both revelations, whether it be common revelation that He talks about first or special revelation that He talks about second, all of those revelations are God's revelation, God's choosing to self disclose himself to us, okay? They work in concert. They work in harmony with each other. It's kind of like on that first Christmas, I guess. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew that the Magi from the east came to find the Lord. How did they come? They came through common grace. There was a star, wasn't there, that led them. Well, they came to Herod, and they told Herod the story. What did Herod do? He had the scribes begin to look at scriptures. And so common grace gave way to special grace and ultimately the magi, because of these two revelations, self disclosures of God, they came to find God lying in a manger. That's the way it works for us. There's enough of the revelation of God to say, oh, there is a God. Wonder what he's like. And there's the word of God. That forked flash, that that digs us straight into the heart, that makes us understand that through His Word, God saves. So in this psalm game, we have a wordless book, and then we have a word book. And this psalm gives us everything that we need to know about this wonderful God who decided, nothing lacking on his end, but decided to show us a little bit of himself because we need it ultimately so that we might be saved and live eternally with him. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Now here's what I want you to think about with your heads bowed. Maybe all of your life up to this point Maybe all of your life up to this point, you've understood that there was a God. You knew that this world didn't happen with a big bang, that behind a creation, there is a creator. And up until this very day, you thought that that was enough to get you to heaven. But today you've realized that's enough to send you to hell because that makes you accountable to God. It makes you accountable for the knowledge of God. But it has no power to save you. And yet when we take the Word of God, the special revelation of God, maybe as Mark teaches or one of your Sunday school teachers teaches or perhaps in worship as Mark or Don or I or someone teaches, And you're in the environment, the potential of God's special, the dynamic of something that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Not making a difference who's doing the preaching. It's the Word of God doing what only the Word of God can do. And today maybe you've realized, you know. Up until now, it's all just been knowledge in my head. There's never been experience of conversion in my heart. And I've come to realize that unless something happens to my soul, I'll be spending eternity separated from this great God of creation. And maybe today God's saying, this is your moment. This is your day to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, that God, the very God who was born in a manger, in a stinky, smelly stable, is the God who will grow perfect, die on a cross for my sin. And today you want it all to change. Today may be your opportunity that God gives.